0: Let's see, kiddos, if you'd like to be dismissed, I think you already have. Never mind, you know what to do. You all don't even need me, do you? I'm just kind of a figurehead. All right, here we go. Let's see, Um, man, we've been been in Colossians the last couple of weeks, and I tell you, I love this book because, mostly because of this, it challenges you every time you read it about this thing, is Christ supreme in your heart? Because Paul is going to, in in a in hundred different ways, he's going to challenge this idea, uh, that, and we talked about this last week, but but there was, in, in Colossae, there was a heresy, or maybe several different teachings of heresy that were alive, and and they were they all said that, yes, it's Jesus Christ and something. It's, it's Jesus Christ and some rules and some regulations, some behavior modification. It's Jesus Christ and the worship of some other spiritual beings. And, and we kind of talked about that last week, that Paul's going to say, no, Jesus, is above it all, and he is in all of his supremacy. Not only is he supreme above everything, but because he's supreme in everything, he's sufficient for you. Amen. That's the man. If I could summarize the whole of Colossians, that is it. Because Jesus is supreme in all else, he's sufficient for you. He is all you need. Amen. Amen. Uh, I believe that to be true, but but at the same time, in my heart, and I know in your heart as well we 're challenged all the time because we want all of Jesus, yes, but we also want you know to be successful. We also want to to for people to think well of us, we also want to be significant in in the eyes of other people, we also want to have things, we also want to have power, we also want to have money, we also want to have all these other things, we also want to be you know have all of our relationships together and and all this stuff. And Paul will over and over and over challenge us as we're reading through the letter to the Colossians. Is Christ enough for you? And the overwhelming answer is yes, he is. He's supreme. He's all supreme and he's all sufficient and he is all we need. So we talked about that last week. This week we're going to continue and, and finish up chapter 1 in Colossians. And uh, today we're going to be talking, talk, Paul's going to talk about four things this week. He's going to talk about suffering, he's going to talk about service, he's going to talk about mystery, and then he's going to talk about energy. So those are the four things we're going to talk about today as we read the last part of chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to read, starting in verse chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 24. Read along with me if you, have your, if you brought your Bibles. Otherwise, you can follow on the screen behind me. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make mo- known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully Works in me. May God bless the reading of His Word. Amen, amen. All right. So, so uh, let's let's break this down just a little bit. So, so Paul's going to transition. He just spent the last um, the last what we read the last week talking about the supremacy of Christ above all creation, above everything else, and he's going to transition into and this is the sake. For which I labor. This is the reason I've given myself to this ministry. And he's going to go from this thing about the, the supremacy of Christ, and now he's going to be talking about his own ministry. This is what Paul's saying because Jesus Christ is supreme, I've given myself to the, his work. Because Jesus Christ is all-sufficient, because he's over all creation, because he's the ruler over all, and he was, in, he was involved in, in everything that was created, was created by him. And because of that, I'm giving, I've given my life to this, and I'm suffering for it, and I'm sacrificing for it, and I'm serving his church because of his greatness. Yeah. That's what he's going to talk about here next, is that his own labor for the church. So the very first thing he says, listen, read along with me in that first verse, 20, verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. What Paul's saying here is that, is that, um, is that he rejoices in his suffering for the church at Colossae. Not that, not that he went there, not that he did uh, himself, but he suffered, and he was in Ephesus at the time, probably whenever the Colossian church was founded. But he himself suffered, and he himself continues to suffer, as we believe that he was in Rome under house arrest whenever he wrote this letter to the Colossians. But he's saying, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. And what he's talking about is his own personal suffering. So what Paul's saying here is that he says, I am glad to suffer for the cause of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible that he says, "I rejoice in it. I I have joy when I when I think about the suffering that I've done for the cause of Christ. When I think about the suffering that I've done for you, Colossians, for you the the believers in Colossae. And of course, he's talking about more than that. He's probably you know has in mind all the believers that he's that he's uh, been suffering for. As he's traveled about in acts, and he's persecuted and, and flogged and beaten and left for dead a time or two. Uh, all of those things, and he has all those things probably in mind. And he says, "I rejoice." The suffering, Pretty profound. You know, um, typically when we suffer, rejoicing is not our response, right? When you and I suffer, what do we do? What's our response? Why, Lord? You know, we raise our hands like this. Why, God? Why, you know, why, why wouldn't you bring this calamity on someone else, someone more deserving, right? <laughs> yeah. Why me? Why now? Why us? Why this? Why my kids? Why, why my finances? Why, why my relationships? Why, why my parents? Why whatever? Why me? Paul says I rejoice. Now I want to talk. He's going to talk about suffering. I want to be real clear. There are man. There is a spectrum of different kinds of suffering, aren't there? And and you you know we've all been human. We're all human. Suffering is part of what we do, right? I mean, this is part of our existence. Sometimes we suffer because we make stupid choices, right? Sometimes we suffer and there's a natural consequence, right? Sometimes we suffer because uh, maybe not anything of our own, but because we live in a sinful world. You know, these bodies are falling apart. I don't know if you've noticed yours. Um, Your your body one day will give out, right? And you're going to suffer from that. You're going to suffer that. Was that your problem? Eh, Partly, but it's part of the reason is that we we were born into a sinful world. There's sin in our bodies. There's sin all around us in in all of creation. It's been corrupted and twisted by sin. And so in a larger sense, some of the suffering that we go through is just part of being fallen humanity. But Paul's talking about a specific kind of suffering that he's talking about here. He's not talking about suffering uh, from from his physical body. He's not talking about suffering from stupid choices. He's talking about suffering for a cause. He's talking about suffering for all the right reasons, right, is what he's talking about here. He's he's talking about the the persecution that he's faced in trying to carry the word of the gospel and teaching people all across the known world, especially in Asia Minor here, uh, in Asia Minor, in in, in what's modern day Italy. um, in, In all of that, he says, and I've suffered for that cause. And he says, and I rejoice for it. I, I rejoice that I've suffered for it. He, Paul's Paul's glad. He says that it, I'm I'm glad that I've suffered for it. it. You know, I I can't go very long without thinking of. they just I've just got some favorite um, um, previous believers. You know, some favorites that I have. So Jim Elliot is one of my favorites. Anybody remember the story of Jim Elliot? Jim Elliot was a was a um, oh let's see attended Wheaton College. Um, he was a young man who was absolutely obsessed with taking the gospel to people that no one had ever taken the gospel to before. So in in 1955, he and a group of four other buddies, they were all in their 20s, there might have been one in his 30s, uh, an MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship um, 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 missionary, whose name was Nate Saint, which is, by the way, the same organization that we support in uh, our very own Mike and Cheryl Schutz, right, today. Um, but anyway, back in 1955 and 1956, they found a people group that no one had ever reached with the gospel. They had no written language, so no one was ever, ever able to get them any a Bible or any word uh, to them at all. And in 1955, they spent three months trying to reach out to these people, but they were known to be hostile. Matter of fact, they were known to be violent, that they would, that they would kill people who weren't from their tribe, who weren't from their settlement. They were known to be violent, and so no one had ever tried to reach them with the gospel before. So for three months, they started flying over their Mission Aviation Fellowship airplane. They'd start flying over, and they would drop things for those tribesmen for them to find to try to make friends with them. They would drop some food. Sometimes they even dropped, they even dropped uh, uh, some, some small airplanes that were similar to the, uh, to the little Mission Aviation Fellowship um, airplane that, uh, that, they, that they flew over, uh, and they, they dropped these things. And on, um, what was it, on January the 8th, the, the, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up they were warned. These were young men, right? They were all young men. They were, I think they were all, maybe all married young men uh, in their 20s, maybe one in their 30s. Um, um, Jim Elliott was 29. And, uh, and, and he, he wrote this. He's, people were warning them, these are violent. They're hostile. You, you guys can't be doing this. It's too dangerous. And you know, Jim Elliott, without having ever met a single one of the Aachen Indians I not have ever met a single one of them, wrote in his journal one day. He knew people were warning him. He knew they were hostile. He knew they were violent. And he wrote in his journal, I would gladly give my life for these people. Uh, it, profound, amazing, wasn't it? Never even met them before. For these strangers, for these violent, you know, pagan, heathen people, he said, I would gladly give my life for these people. See, Jim Elliott considered the cost. The apostle Paul considered the cost and they said, compared to my comfort, compared to my money, compared to any other pursuits that I might have, the cause of Christ is worth suffering for. It's worth giving it all else up for. The cause of Christ is supreme because Christ is supreme. And and, and Jim Elliott said, I would gladly give my life for these people. He poured out his life at the tip of a spear on January the 8th, 1956, when he and the other four gentlemen that were with him made contact with that tribe. About ten years later, about eight years later, I should say, um, Jim Elliott's wife, Elizabeth Elliot, who I'm sure you've heard of, um, uh, she and the Nate Saint sister went, and they spent two years among the, amongst the Aachen A- Indian people, and many of their people came to Jesus Christ. See, he poured out his life for those people, and they came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, including one of the men. Um, who had been guilty of the murder of Jim Elliot. Amazing, incredible. See, Jim Elliot, the Apostle Paul says, I've considered the cost. Just like Jesus said, right? See, he said, you know, you know, coming to me is easy. Following me is hard, right? He says, if you're going to follow me, you need to sit down and you need to consider the cost, uh, Jesus said, and, and, and Jim Elliot, Paul, and countless other, countless other followers of the Lord Jesus Christ considered the cost, and they said, the cause of Christ is worth it. He's worth suffering for. He's worth sacrificing for. It's worth giving myself up. It's worth getting out of my comfort zone. It's worth giving up myself. It's worth giving up my money. It's worth giving up my time. It's worth giving up my passion that I might suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ, that His word might advance in the lives of other people. I. Um, Yeah, let's let's continue. So so he, so it's interesting what he says here. Let's continue. Um, he says, "I rejoice in what was suffered for you." And listen to what he says in, in the last part of that verse. This is very confusing. And I fill up in my flesh what was still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. It, it's an interesting statement that he makes here. I, that and I will and I fill up in my flesh what was still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Now, that's a, that's a very confusing verse. Whenever you read that part, you think, well, what was missing in Christ's afflictions? What was it, that, that, what was it in, in Christ's suffering that was lacking? Well, we know from other verses, you know, how you, read the, you know how to interpret the Bible, right? You interpret the Bible with the Bible, right? Not what I read into it. You interpret the Bible with the Bible. There, we know it from other passages. We know from other, things that, other passages that all that Jesus did, all of his suffering, fully satisfied the wrath of God. All of his suffering was sufficient to bring about our salvation and the salvation of all of mankind who had come to believe in him. Amen? And there is nothing left to suffer. Listen, this is such an important point because here's what happens to you and I sometimes, right? Sometimes we sin, and we go away from God and we feel like we kind of got to beat ourselves up. We, we distance ourselves from him and say, oh, God, you know, I can't be in your presence because I've fallen into the sin for the 697th time. And, and even though I struggle with it, I, you know, I'm, I'm unclean again and I got to beat myself up and I need to feel bad about myself. Listen, that is not Christianity. That's regulation that Paul's going to kind of uh, thump on here in, in, uh, in chapter 2. W- w- what Christianity is, what Christianity says, what, what the sacrifice of Jesus Christ would say is, I sinned, and I've sinned again, and I'm a sinful man, and I continue to struggle with sin, and my Savior has sacrificed Everything and all that I need and all the punishment of God has been put on him and he has become the atonement for sin. He's become the propitiation for sin. In other words, all the wrath of God was fully absorbed on him. And that's why Paul could write, there is therefore no what condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He, was, he fu- received fully the wrath of God. And for those of us who, is, who are believers, there is no wrath left. Right? His sacrifice was sufficient to cover every sin. And here's what Christianity says, right? So, so when you and I are, are tempted like Adam and Eve to cover ourselves in our, in our shame because of our sin, what Christianity says is it's already been covered by the blood of the lamb. It's already been covered by him. And so you can go boldly into God and, says, and say to him, I believe that my sin, even this sin, has been covered by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen? And you would let that chase you to the cross, not away from it. Amen? Amen? that's the way this works. All right, so so that's apparently what Paul's not not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about that there was something lacking in Christ's sacrifice for salvation. But what he is talking about is that in regards to Christ's affliction, there's more suffering to come. It's like this: Jesus Christ was our example, and he went and in bringing the gospel, in bringing the truth to people, he suffered. If you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're going to, to to be one of his followers, one of his disciples, you can expect to what? Suffer. Right. Yeah, we all hallelujah, right? Yeah, I'm surprised you're not all jumping up and down and running around the room. We're so excited about suffering, right? No, I know it's not like that. But 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 here's the deal. Our Lord suffered and if we're going to follow him, we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer persecution sometimes. We're going to suffer being ridiculed sometimes. It's going to happen. Matter of fact, um, never mind. I'll I'll quote that another time. Um, So we're going to suffer sometimes. It's going to happen. But, But what Paul's saying here is what he's talking about lacking is what he's saying is in the building of the church, Jesus Christ suffered and countless saints and martyrs have suffered all along the history of the church. It's happened all along. Matter of fact, you might say that the church was built on the lives of saints and martyrs who sacrificed their lives. Let's read that. The church is built by repeated acts of self-sacrifice of saints and martyrs who followed the examples of their Savior. So in this, just as Jesus Christ started, there's more suffering to finish. There's more suffering to be done. There's more self-sacrificing to happen to continue to build up the church that Christ instituted. There's more suffering to come, and that's what Paul's talking about here is that what's still lacking in Christ, there's a couple of millennia of suffering that needs to be done by God's people to bring about the gospel, yeah. And let me let me let me talk about this in in really simple terms. What that means is is that you and I have to have a mind, and, and I want here is what I, I want that same kind of mindset, right? And I and I find I often don't have it because I'm too uh, I'm too easily satisfied with or too too interested in my own comfort. You know what I'm saying? And so right so so we have members in our church body who aren't here today. Right? We have members in our church body who are, who are suffering today. We have, me, we have people who are, are alone and lonely. And, and the question is, are you willing to sacrifice your time to see them? How about this? I, I know this about you. I know you guys are a very giving church. I know every time that we do something for BSM or anyone else in the community, you guys are more than willing to come and to bring. You know, you're, you're willing to spend your own money. You're willing to donate whatever you're, you're willing to do that. This is, this is all a small part of the, of the larger picture of what God calls us to do in sacrificing that I'm willingly willing to give my money. I'm willing to give my time. I'm willing to sacrifice my comfort. I'm willing to put me second so that the work of Jesus Christ may be first. Because he's supreme, right? And his work is more important than my life and certainly more important than my comfort. Amen? Amen? Uh, So in small ways and in large ways. And let me say this. You know, I I use great examples because it's really inspiring. When I read about Jim Elliot, it inspires me to do greater things. When I read about the Apostle Paul, it inspires me to be a greater follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you this. It is a miracle of God. It is evidence of, of his Holy Spirit's work in your life. When you put someone else first in any small way. That's why, that's, why Jesus said, just, that's why Jesus said, even a glass of water comes with a reward. Even if you give a glass of water, will come with a reward. Because the change that's happened in your life is evidence of the, of, of the work of Jesus Christ in you, even in the small things. So listen, don't look at the small things as small things. Because to our God and our Creator, every single act of service. Every single act of sacrifice is meaningful. Every time we suffer, even in small ways, even when we self-sacrifice... Um, it is important and it fits it within um, his goal and what he desires to do amongst us. When you give to someone who doesn't have, when you make time to eat or or go grab a Coke with someone who needs someone to come alongside them, when you willingly talk about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done to a non-believer, when you willingly put yourself out there and you sacrifice your own comfort, that is a beautiful, godly thing every single act. Amen? Everyone, everyone, and all of those add up together uh, for glory to, to our God and our Savior. And here's the deal. I, I want to be the kind of Christian who does that willingly. I want to be the kind of person that, that willingly, rejoicingly sacrifices and suffers. I, I want to be that kind of person. I want you to be too. I want to be a church of those kinds of people um, who are willing to, who have considered the cost and decided that, that for Christ's cause, it's worth suffering and worth sacrificing everything else. Verse 25. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So the apostle Paul in particular was, was, was called to be an apostle. He was called to be a, a carrier of the message of God, a teacher, um, someone with authority who would go to churches and teach them and train them how to be Christians. Uh, that was part of his role. Uh, and, and Paul had this very specific calling. And, and so I, I see these two things. The very first thing Paul says, uh, and what I want when I see Paul's life is, I want to be glad to suffer for Christ. I, I want to I I serve to build up his church. That what's, that's what Paul's getting at here is that I serve in this ministry. I serve in the role of the apostle appointed by God that the church might be built up, that God's people might be built up, that they might all become more mature by, Paul would say, by my teaching, that they, they might become more mature by by following my example. And, and uh, boy, I, I want to be the same way. I want to be willing to serve the church, like the Apostle Paul, to, to be willing, to want to serve, um, to build up his church. Uh, this is important, too. So, so what that means is, is that this, this, um, this service that I do is not for me, right? It, it has as, as its end, it has as its goal, is I want the church to be built up. I want other people to be built up. I, I don't do this so that I can get fame and glory or money or whatever or significance. I do this because the ultimate goal is that God's church might be built up. The people around me might, might know God better and mature, be more mature in Him. Let's continue. So um, in verse 26, so yeah, the first thing, just as we follow the Apostle Paul, um, I want to be, you know, be glad to suffer for, for Christ. I want to be willing to serve to build up His church. And then if you look with me here in verse 26, what he says, "...the mystery that has been kept for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints..." Um, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's the kind of the cool thing. Paul's now going to go, and he's going to talk about mystery. And, and, you know, whenever we read about mystery or we read about secrets in the, in the, uh, in the New Testament, typically what, what uh, it's usually Paul writing about, it. and what he's usually writing about is something that was kept secret, something that God had kept for himself and he hadn't revealed to anyone but it's now been revealed. Now, the, the secret's out, but it's only out to a group of people. It's only out to those people who would follow God. And Paul calls this a glorious mystery, right? And uh, we don't have enough time for me to delve in to explain what all this means today, but I tell you what, if you just think about it, you know, here's something for you to contemplate. It's really good to spend time, whenever you're spending time with the Lord, whenever you're spending time in that quiet time in the morning, just ask the Lord to give you something to contemplate. This, here's a great one, the mystery of what God is doing in the lives of believers. Think about that. Think about what was once hidden and that no one really got in the Old Testament. Now, the Jews never really understood what Jesus Christ would do or what the impact would be on in the individual lives of people and the mystery of the change that it's brought. You know, think about think about the Old Testament where it said that that God said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna replace their heart of stone and I'm gonna give them, you know, I'm gonna give them a, a, a soft heart. I'm I'm gonna take the, the tablets that I've written and I'm gonna write the, my commands on their hearts. Think about the change that that means is happening in us, in you, in me. That means instead of all these regulations of the Old Testament, what we have today is a desire to follow God from our hearts because he's changing us by his Holy Spirit at work in us. On the inside, he's changing us. He's, given us, he's giving us desires for holy and godly things and changing our hearts toward those things that are not godly and not holy. Right? He's changing our, our, our desires against sin. Uh, but that's the mystery that he's talking about. And what he says here is that God, God kept this, this thing, this secret hidden um, for millennia, for several millennia, and God, God kept it secret. But now the secret's out for those of us who believe. I remember back about when I was in college, I can't even think how long that's been, 25 years ago or something, um, I went to uh, South Padre Island as part of the Baptist student ministry. Um, we, we went down there and did uh, evangelism there on the beach and, and with some uh, shuttle service with some vans. And I remember down there, and, and there's, there's just so much lostness there on South Padre Island during spring break, so much lostness, maybe m- many other sins that you could throw in there too, but lots of lostness, let's just leave it at that, lots of lostness. And, and you come back, and, the, and the, the difference maybe there at South Padre is very distinct, I mean, very obvious. There are people who are drinking and getting drunk and, and, uh, and, and, and other things, you know. Know, um, in, into sex and other things, all kinds of things, drugs, everything you could imagine uh, happening there. And the difference, you know, you could just feel the difference between us who were there to carry out the gospel or, or to carry the message of the gospel and those people were there who, who were there to party, right? Uh, there was just a big difference. And I came back from there and, and I tell you what, I couldn't help but for a week, I think I was smiling because it really dawned on me, maybe for the first time, the difference that the Lord God had made in my life, you know, I wasn't lost. I, I'm not confused about you know, where, where uh, my, my significance lies. I'm not confused about why I'm here. I'm not confused about what I should be doing. Uh, all of that's come to me because the Lord Jesus Christ has revealed it to me. Amen? This mystery has been revealed to you, but it had not been revealed to everyone around you, has it? There are people who still don't get this mystery. There are people around you who, who still don't know the secret about what God's doing uh, in people, that, that, that he has sent his son uh, into their lives that they might... Uh, that they might be changed forever, and that he might save them from their sins and from themselves and selfishness. Uh, but listen, this has been disclosed now to Gentiles, and, and listen to how he describes describes it. He says, To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mercy, of, of this mystery, sorry, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, I, I love that. I, I love what that says. It's, it says that this mystery is what? Christ in you. Yeah, fantastic. What what that means is this, is that Jesus Christ is alive, and specifically, he's alive in you. He's working in you. He's doing his work in you. He's changing you. But not only that, but but when you work and you move in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are carrying out his continued work here on earth. That's why the Bible refers to us as the body of Christ. So that as Christ lives out his life in me and, and I actually do something good and I do something godly in obedience and love to God, it's like Jesus Christ is doing it through me. You know why? Because Jesus Christ is alive in you and me. Amen? So so here we go. So I, I, I want to be the kind of person that's glad to suffer for Christ. I want to be the kind of person that willingly serves the church so that the church might be built up. But I also want to be amazed by this mystery of Christ in me. I, I want to get up in the mornings and I, I want to realize, I want to recognize that my life is forever changed because Jesus Christ is alive in me, because he gave his life, and by his Holy Spirit, he works in and is within me, and I can see the the, the evidence of his work in me as he he changes my attitude toward sin, as he changes my attitude toward toward my wife, toward my children, toward other people, toward my goals, toward toward whatever I want to do with my life, as he changes that, he is alive in me. May I be struck by that mystery every day. Amen? You too. You too. I pray that for you last thing, let's read this last couple of verses here. We proclaim him. So here Paul's talking about, here Paul and his posse. Paul always went around with a group of other men. As a matter of fact, you can see kind of at the end of his life, man, there's still guys hanging around. He's, he's sending one to Ephesus. He's sending one to, to Philippi, and he's just directing it. This is part of the deal. These, these guys go around together, and they, they try to plant churches, and they're trying to bring about uh, conversions and, 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 uh, and teach correct all the crazy things that were going on in those churches at the time. Uh, You know, crazy things don't happen in churches anymore. You know that, right? Um, That's sarcasm. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect, Christ Paul says I, here's Paul again saying I do this so that people might be mature so that I might present them one day so that Paul can come in as basically as someone's father spiritual father and come in and present them before God one day and say look look what I've done look look the ministry that you gave me you know it wasn't I wasn't the guy with the talent that hit it in the ground I was the guy with a talent that I invested in the life of this man and here is this man Lord God that I bring to you today and he's matured in you because I've taught him and I've trained him and I've discipled in him. I've poured out my life. I've suffered and I've sacrificed on his behalf so that he might come to you mature. Is there a greater thing than that? You you, you know, you think about all the things that you and I might take into heaven. What will it be? You've got some favorite trinkets, right? you got some favorite gadgets. you got some favorite men. We love the electronics. Anything with lights and electricity, anything that surges with electricity and lights up, man, right, that's it. Listen, none of that counts. None of that goes with you, right? What goes with us, though, and what Paul's talking about here is when I go into heaven, I'm going to have people alongside me that I'm going to be able to present to my heavenly Father and said, I've had a part in the maturity of these people. Can you imagine anything greater? Let me ask you, let me ask you where you're at in, in regards to your relationships. You got people like that? Do you have people like that, that that you're encouraging along the way? Do you have some people that, you know, you just go get a Coke with, that you just meet with, that you, you, or you regularly meet with? Are, are you minded that way? Do you think about that? I know many of who of us thinks of ourselves as spiritual fathers? Yeah, I know none of us do, right? None of us think, of, you know, I'm so, you know, I'm like, the, I'm like the Papa Smurf of Christianity. You know, I'm just, I'm like the, that was a terrible, I don't even know where that came from. I'm sorry. I, I'm, like the, I'm like the patriarch, and so I'm just going to bring these kids along, and I'm going to train them up. Now, I know none of us thinks of, of, of ourselves that way, but let me encourage you this. Let me encourage you with this. Everything you do in the life of another believer to encourage them along the way, to ask them to take the next step, whatever it is, uh, you, you know, to encourage them to, you know, when they're down, when they're suffering because of their marriage, when they're suffering because of their kids, when they're suffering because of whatever else, to come alongside them, encourage them and love them along the way. And, and just, you know, what, uh, what, it, what what the Old Testament talks about, I love this, that, that it, it talks about Jonathan and David, that Jonathan came along and he, and he strengthened David's hand in the Lord. In other words, he, he went around, it was like David was holding on and losing his grip on God, and Jonathan went around his hands with his hands, and he, and he helped him hold on to be like that in the life of another person and to one day be like the Apostle Paul to say, I present to you this young man, this young woman, that I've had a part in maturing them in their, in their faith. I, I just want to encourage you. Uh, who, who is that? Who could that be in your life? Is there someone who you could encourage that way? And I, I really encourage you to. There is no greater thing to give your life to than the cause of Christ. Amen? And, and here's, the, here's the cool thing about Jesus Christ. Right? God always says, you want to do something for me? Turn to that person. Right? Do, do, it in a, do it in a living, breathing being. You do it in a person, right? Um, Christianity, very God-focused, but very... Um, very centered on on the glory of God and the people around us. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's. So anyway, so very very last verse here, and we'll close. Says this. To this end I labor. I, I could just imagine Paul having this vision in mind, right, about, about, about the mystery of, of God that, that's happening in, in believers, uh, about the mystery of what's happening in the, in the individual lives of people that's finally revealed, and, and, and him presenting people before the Lord God because he's had a part in their maturity. And he says, to this end in mind I labor. Struggling. Uh, no, let, me, let me pause there for just a minute. To this end I labor, struggling. The, 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 the term that he uses there is, what he's talking about is a real toiling, a real, a real work. This is something that he's, that he's breaking a sweat over. This is something that's a real struggle. But he says, I struggle. He's kind of saying like, a, like, I fight for this. I, I work for this. I, I exercise energy for this. But listen to what he says at the end. With all his energy. Which works so powerfully within me, I tell you. Don't you ever look at Paul's life and you think, "How in the world can a guy go all throughout the known world, be beaten, flogged, put in prison, shipwrecked, lost at sea, a few nights you know adrift in the middle of the sea, left for dead, all this other crazy stuff, and he just keeps continuing on? How is this? Is this even humanly possible? No. See. When you see the perseverance of the Apostle Paul, he'd say, I struggle with the energy that the Lord Jesus gives me. I struggle with this, the, this divine, this power, this, this word energy in the New Testament, if you've not heard it before, the word is dunamis in Greek, right? Dunamis is where we get our, our term dynamite from. It means real power. It means divine power. It means something bigger than me. It means something stronger than me. It means something more persevering than I have, right? He says, God's power works powerfully within me. His energy, his dunamis works powerfully within me. And so that's kind of the last thing that I want to really encourage you is, is that is, is you know what we've been talking about? I want to be glad to suffer for Christ. I, I, want to, I want to willingly serve to help build up his church. I want to be amazed by the mystery of Christ in me. But the last thing is this, and maybe one of the most important about how it happens I want to fight for Christ's cause with Christ's power within me because none of us can do this on our own. It is all by the power of God. See, we've got to be seeking him. This is why I want to stress, you know, you being alone before your heavenly father every day. We have to, have, we have to be in Christ to make a difference. We have to be part of him. We have to have continued renewal and continual energy from him or we can't do this on our own. Listen, you will never be effective. Apart from Jesus Christ, that's what Jesus said in John chapter fifteen. You will never be effective apart from me, but in me you will bear much fruit. Amen, amen. Let's uh, let's close. Let's let's. Uh, would you close your eyes for just a moment? We're going to pray together, and let's do this. Um, I don't know where you're at today. I, I, I don't know what if, if if there's some part of this uh, Paul's words here that really strike you this morning, but man, I, I hope it is. I, I I hope I pray that that um, whether it's a, a, a willingness to be, to be willing to suffer for Christ, maybe you've never, maybe you've been never willing to, to step outside of your own comfort zone. Maybe you've never been willing to suffer. Maybe you've, you've, been, you've not really been challenged to, to, to give of yourself, to give of your money or your energy or your time or whatever. Maybe you haven't been challenged to suffer for Christ, and maybe that's what he's speaking to you today. You, it's time for you to be willing to step up. It's time for you not to just to be saved, but to be a follower of mine. And that means to be willing to sacrifice and to suffer. Um, maybe it's that. Uh, maybe it's for service. Maybe God's calling you to something particular within this church ministry or within some other ministry that God's calling you to, and he's asking you to be willing to serve for the focus that this church might be built up. Maybe this morning it's at... Um, that you've, uh, you've, you know, the, the kind of the, the magic's gone, you've gone from a mountaintop experience, and you're now kind of, uh, kind of caught in the doldrums of your, of your walk, and that's going to happen from time to time. That's just reality. And you've forgotten. It's been a while since you've been amazed by the work of God in you. Maybe this mystery, maybe that's something you need to hear this morning, is that there's a mystery going on in you, and you need to think, and you need to contemplate, and you need to, you, you need to meditate on this fact that God is at work with you in you, that it is Jesus Christ himself alive in you, wanting to and desiring to do his work. Maybe lastly, maybe it's, that, um, maybe it's that you have a desire to fight, but you just run out of gas. There have just been too many things coming up in your life. that uh, You've had too many troubles, too many struggles, too many, too many interruptions, too many uh, distractions, and you just need a reminder this morning that all this is by God's power. I just want to encourage you to seek his power, to seek his energy, because it will carry you much further than you can get on your own. It is bigger than you. This power that's worked within us, Jesus said in the, or, or Paul said in, in his uh, uh, companion letter to, the, to, uh, to Colossians, which was the, the letter to the Ephesians, he says that's the same power that God exerted in Jesus Christ when he brought him back from the dead after three days. That's the power at work within you. It's divine. It's supernatural. It's bigger than me and you and it's able to sustain us, and it's able to us to carry through um, as we work to fight to, to, uh, for the cause of Jesus Christ. Maybe lastly, it's this thing where you've not really been involved in the lives of the other people around you. Maybe you just haven't had that. You haven't made a, an effort to step out and make contact with someone to encourage them in their walk. I want to encourage you to do that today. Don't let the day get away. You pray about it. If the Lord's brought someone to your mind, you make an appointment this week. You make an appointment to see them. You make an appointment to go to go visit them or, or to make a phone call and just begin to pour your life, willingly suffering, willingly sacrificing for the life of someone else that they might be built up. Lord God, we thank you for this. We thank you for Paul's example. We thank you for men like, like uh, Jim Elliott. We thank you for men like... Uh, like Wycliffe, we thank you for, for all the saints who've gone before who've been martyred and, and uh, who've, d- who've had such a desire to see your truth carried out, for the sake of the gospel, the sake of the cause of Christ carried forward, that they willingly suffered, many of them, even their own lives. Father, make us willing. Make us be glad to suffer for you. Make us be willing to, to serve that your church might be built up. Remind us of the mystery of Jesus Christ being at work within us. And Lord God, I pray, give us your power that your kingdom might be built up. It's in Jesus' great name, amen, amen. Amen, y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here today.